welcome to Realizing Your Potential, a leadership podcast from Accolade Wines. Accolade Wines is a leading wine company with famous wine brands loved around the world, including Hardee's, St. Hallett, Grant Burge, Bannerock Station, House of Arras, and Echo Falls. The show was originally recorded for our people as a learning and development tool, but due to popular demand, the Realizing Your Potential podcast is now available on Spotify and iTunes. We're your hosts. I'm Sophie Ellis, your learning and development specialist. And I'm Martin Martino, a learning and development consultant. In this first series, we interview experts within Accolade Wines for their leadership tips and advice as we build a high performance culture. Please get in touch with Accolade Wines on LinkedIn if you want to contribute or with any questions or comments. So let's get started. This is episode number seven. We'll be talking through the concept of flow with Ange Murphitt, our Chief People and Communications Officer. Ange, welcome back. It's so great to have you on the podcast again. Our listeners may or may not have heard about the concept of flow before. Would you mind telling us a little bit about what flow means to you? I love the concept of flow. And for anyone who has listened to me talk about my um, running, I'm going to refer to it again because for those of you who are runners um, or do any particular exercise but for me it's running sometimes you go out and a run is just really hard and every step is just awful and then other runs are just great and um, for me about the kind of 1k 1.2k mark I hit what I would call my running flow and you're just in the moment in the rhythm everything feels good and you're just just completely focused on what you're doing. And I find when I'm in that moment when I'm running that I don't think about anything else. I just think about my my running. And, and that's that's a really great feeling. And that's often when you get, you know, your best times and, you know, greater distances. And, you know, it's the same at work. Um, flow is when you're actually really in that moment with no distractions and really working on those really you know, creative or strategic or pieces of work that take some really big thinking and you're really getting through that work and at the end you've got a real sense of achievement. So for me, me, that is flow. Yeah, I love how you've captured it. And now you've described flow, I bet everyone listening is able to think of an example of when they've been in a state of flow. I know for me, the sport where that happens most often is swimming. And for me, when I'm swimming, it's about, yeah, that sense of balance where everything's second nature. I'm not thinking anymore. I'm engrossed in the task and I stop counting lengths and I stop watching the clock and breathing just is easy. And whether it be in sport or whether it be at work, when you are in those moments and you're fully focused and engaged in whatever task and you, then you, you complete it, there's a real sense of achievement. There's so much in what we do in sport both at an amateur and a professional level that can be related to team and workplace and our individual learning. And, you know, I think if you you speak to any runner, even if you go out and it's a really hard, awful run and you hated most of it, you never regret it when you get home. You always feel better for it. Um, and so I think when you're in flow, you certainly, certainly at work or when you're exercising or whatever you're doing and you've got that single mind intention, there's a real sense of accomplishment at the end. So how do we go about creating flow more often for ourselves and how can we create it in teams too? 
Um, so it's taken quite a few years. I was really very lucky early on in my career to have an external coach. He would actually ring me on a daily basis and ask me how much flow did I have in my day? When was it? And what did I do during those times? So through coaching, I actually worked out the periods in the day that I feel the most energized just from a performance perspective, you know, and that just relates to, do you prefer working in the morning to you know, working middle day or working late at night. I mean, I'm very much more of a kind of morning worker that when I feel the most energized, I'm not someone who can stay up. I was never an all nighter. I never did all nighters at university or anything. I just, you know, I need to get some sleep and then get up fresh. I'd rather get up at four in the morning and start than work through till three in the, in the morning. So, you know, that's me, but you know, there's, there's something that I've been working on for a little while now. And, you know, it came about because I was really struggling with email. I mean, email is, you know, a blessing and a curse um, in equal measure. And I think, you know, when we're looking at emails and we're sending emails and we're responding, we think that we're actually doing a lot of work, but actually they're very transactional in nature. And what I was finding is I was getting so caught up in emails and the volume of emails that and there's sort of an instant gratification it's a little bit like you know online shopping sometimes yeah it gives you a sense of um, instant gratification that you send one and someone responds and you send back that I actually wasn't getting some of the bigger pieces of work that I needed to really get done done and they were pushing out to the end of the day when I wasn't particularly in the best flow and then I was finding myself getting a bit stressed and anxious about how I was going to complete these pieces of work and so I started to um introduced this concept and it was a concept introduced to me by um, a, a professional here, a guy by the name of Dr. Jason Fox. And if you've listened to me speak before about being curious, then you can look up Jason Fox. He's based in Melbourne in Victoria. And he taught me the concept of two before two. And two before two is pretty simple. It's actually about doing two pieces of what you call bigger pieces, strategic pieces of work, work that needs a bit more thinking or time. Again, take a few hours in the day before 2 p.m. in the afternoon. And it works really well for me because obviously I said my preference is to get things done sort of at the beginning and the middle of, you know, kind of that I'm not a great uh, late afternoon person. What I do every, every night is I write down the two items that I want to sign off, my two strategic items, my two before two, and they're ready and waiting for me on my desk. So for example, today, my two before two was actually preparing for these podcast recordings and writing up the feedback that I had for my direct reports for their mid-year performance reviews, which start next week. And I wanted to get those things done before two. And then I go back into the more transactional work and start to tick that off. And when I first started looking at two before two and instituting, I had to be really, really purposeful about it to the point that sometimes I had to turn off my email and not get the notifications and not be distracted by it until I got into a regular rhythm where now if I don't do two before two, something feels quite wrong in my day. So that's something that I've done. And then the other thing that works for me and the thing that I try and work with my team on is really putting space in your diary where you can actually work on those bigger items. So that might mean for me, I prefer to have one or two days of back-to-back meetings, but then I might have a couple of days with nothing. So I can actually catch up on more of the, some of the transactional and do the bigger pieces of work. In, in one team that I led prior to coming to Accolade, we used to use Fridays as a no meeting day where we could. Obviously things come in, but we wouldn't schedule meetings on a Friday. And that was actually 
the day that people work their bigger items. We actually called it Warren Buffett time because if you, again, are inherently curious and read about Warren Buffett, he talks about 20% of your diary should be left to doing those bigger strategic pieces of work. So Friday was our Warren Buffett day. So there are a couple of the ways that I achieve flow in my day and things that work for me. I really like that concept of two before two. So simple to implement, but I think it will really help me to feel a sense of accomplishment when I close my laptop each evening too, because I'm protecting time to focus on what's actually really important when I'm at my best in the day. You do really get a meaningful sense of progress and feel like you're advancing your work more when you do knock off some of those bigger items and you know I modify it a little bit if I'm in the office about quarter to eight I'll I'll do my emails from quarter to eight to quarter to nine or nine o'clock and then I'll do my two before two and then go back I mean it doesn't it doesn't happen every day I'm not saying that it's it's but that's generally how I like to do two strategic items um before two o'clock every day to to feel that sense of of of, uh, meaningful progress so Andrew, we spent a bit of time having a look in detail at the concept of flow if we're to zoom out a little bit and look at leadership at accolade as a whole what advice would you give to other managers about leading a team you know when i was thinking about this and when i first became a leader or manager there's lots and lots of books written about leadership and and leading a team and setting goals But in lots of ways, leadership is a bit like for any of you who have had a child, there's no hard and set set of rules or guidelines or real book that you can read. There's lots of advice. It's like, you know, and for those of you who have had children, you'll get when you had a child, there's lots of advice. And you've kind of got to pick out those pieces of advice that work for you. And sometimes you get those pieces of advice and you experiment with them and it doesn't work and sometimes it works brilliantly and that's not sometimes about you it's sometimes about the team that you're leading or sometimes it's about the organization or culture you're in I think you know my main overarching message is that I find it a real honor to be able to lead people it's a privilege and you know make it your own bring your own personality and style to it you can't go wrong if you are your authentic self and that you invest your time and who you are into the team you're leading that's going to get you a long, long way, and then the other stuff will just come. That's kind of my overarching motherhood statement about leaders, about goal setting particularly. I think I've, you know, I've said it many times before. Goals need to be to be cascaded. Yeah, so you've got a strategy. My goals, if you wanted to see them, and you're more than happy to see them, if anyone wants to, are actually Robert's goals, and then I have mine. How I'm going to deliver against those listed underneath, and that's the same for my team. So there's a very clear cascade, and they ladder up you know, being really clear again on what you need to do, how you're going to do it, how you're going to be measured, how frequently you're going to um, to talk about and review those goals. There should be some stretch and development in every employee's goals. And that could be in the particular goals or do something like I've talked about before and say to each of your team, you know, what is the one goal? If you look across all of the goals, we have to achieve the one thing that might be particularly stretching or developmental for you. And who would you like, how would you like to do that? Or would you like to partner with someone and support them in that? And this is and isn't directly related to goal setting, but I think as a leader, ensuring that you're, you know, you're just talking with your people, that you're checking in with them, 
at least monthly in a one-on-one and more informally and seeing how they're going and what you can do to help. And I think I talked about breaking goals down to into achievable chunks. For me, the biggest thing that we can do as leaders of people is be enablers. So enable our people to be as successful as they can. And if you can see that they're not tracking as well as they should against goals, then have that conversation about what's inhibiting them from achieving the goal and what can you do to remove those obstacles. So that would be the advice that I I would just be yourself, make leadership your own and keep talking to your people. And I particularly love this point around being your authentic self and everything else will follow from that. I think you can you can't go wrong if your if your intention, which most people's intention is to do a good job, as you said before, it it's more about figuring out how do you make this work for you. And and that point around experimenting and trial and error, and you're never going to get it right all the time. But that intention of I've learned something new today, I've taken a nugget, I'm going to try and set, you know, two by two, for example, I'm going to give that a go, pick the bits that you're willing and you have to be willing to to give it a go and see, see what works. I think that's the best thing anyone can do. No, I think of that piece about authentic self, um, you know, it's really hard when you become a leader, particularly for the first time. And I think if I looked at who I was when I became a leader, I think age 28 or something, and who I thought I was trying to, who I thought I should be and who I was trying Mm -hmm. to be, it was just a disaster. Um, And I didn't really have the... The, you know hindsight or maturity to look look at it at the time but I think that being authentic and your authentic self and and being vulnerable and vulnerable can be about actually asking your team what's working in your team meetings or what's what's working for you from a one-on-one I have an employee in my team who we don't actually have a formal one-on-one but we talk pretty much every day and that works really well for her and that's okay so I think that's that piece around experimentation and, and being authentic and vulnerable and and sort of getting feedback so that you can can round out who you are as a leader thank you so much for taking us through flow and for sharing your advice it's been an absolute pleasure we've covered flow in this podcast but let's take a minute to explore the research around flow and hear what the experts have to say mihai cheeks and mihai who is a happiness researcher, coined the term, and wrote a book on the topic, which was way back in 1990. He describes flow as a state in which people are so involved in an activity that nothing else seems to matter. The experience is so enjoyable that people will continue to do it, even at great cost, for the sheer sake of doing it. Essentially, what he discovered was that people in a flow state are completely absorbed in an activity especially in an activity which involves our creative abilities. During this optimal experience, they feel strong, alert, effortless control. They're not self-conscious and they're at the peak of their abilities. Mihai insists that happiness does not just happen. It must be prepared for and cultivated by each person. And that's by setting challenges that are neither too demanding nor too simple for one's abilities. These are sometimes referred to as Goldilocks tasks or Goldilocks goals. Now, this is about matching the right goal to the right team members. You're constantly setting goals that, are, that people aren't skilled at. You know, they'll feel overwhelmed, perhaps even anxious, and their motivation will drop. If you do give people goals that are too easy, though, they'll get bored. So these Goldilocks goals are called that because they aren't too difficult, they're not too easy, but they're just right. For everyone, spend time really understanding yourself. 
your strengths, what you love doing, the times of the day that you do your best thinking or have the most energy. And this is actually an exercise you can do. It's called the flow test. And very practically, you set a reminder on your computer or your phone to go off at lots of times throughout the day, throughout the week. And each time your reminder goes off, write down what you're doing, how you're feeling and whether you're in flow. And when you look back at that data, and it does take a bit of doing, but it's great practice, you can get some real insights and observations as to the patterns of your day, your, when your meetings are, when you feel at your best and you're doing your best work. The other thing you can do is a to-don't list. Now, most of us have a to-do list. That's very common. But a legendary management guru called Tom Peters really advocates having a to-don't list. And this is an inventory of behaviors and practices, things that he knows saps his energy, that divert his focus, and really should be avoided at all costs where possible. And then don't forget to share this information with the people around you. The information you get from the flow test and your to-don't list will absolutely help them to help you be at your best more often. That's it for this podcast. We hope you found this episode interesting and the topic sparked your curiosity to find out more. We have plenty of materials and resources to support this episode, so please don't forget to check the show notes. For more leadership content, follow Accolade Wines on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks.